There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment, and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Just listen to the update there on Peter O'Mahony in the news. Do you know this morning when you were having your bowl of cornflakes with milk in it? O'Mahony was having a bowl of gravel with oil. The man is made of stone, like absolute stone. Did you not see him on Saturday? My God, what a shift he put in. What a shift they all put in. What a day. You'd be fearful now that the All Blacks had come out on Saturday and steamrolled you off the pitch, but well, I don't know. Pierce McCarthy myself were discussing this this morning. Pierce seems to think we could win that series. Pierce was always an optimist. Let me see who's right. Saturday morning. Good morning. Before I digress into any more of it, good morning to you. Monday morning. 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Your email is opinion at 96m.ie. Graham Norton got hitched over the weekend in, in Bantry House. There's an article in the Examiner today. A very private ceremony. A very private ceremony that had fireworks and lights and Marquees and helicopters, but a very private ceremony, nonetheless. And of course, Graham, a colleague of ours these days. Graham's been doing his Virgin radio show from West Cork, from the C103 studios over the summer. So, uh, congratulations to Graham on the the nuptials. Uh, Play more happening today. The first ever female overall winner of the Lee Swim. She beat everybody. She's only, what, she hasn't even done her leaving cert yet. We'll catch up with her later in the morning with uh, Hannah. But first, uh, if you were watching the whole British political carnival over the weekend, you'll know now that there's 12 of them, definitely 11, probably will be 12 of them in the running to try to succeed Boris Johnson when nominations close tomorrow. 
uh, and then they have to figure out how to vote and we'll get a leader maybe at about good lord we get get him at about um, September I think they get a new leader but here at home uh, we should be watching the doll because remember last week I told you about this meeting um, that was held while Michal was in Kiev. He was over visiting Mr. Zelensky and seeing the destruction for himself in Kiev. There was a meeting at uh, Leinster House while he was away, uh, featuring quite a number of TDs, I think about 30, was it? Yeah, and in there from Cork, Padraig O'Sullivan, who we learned afterwards chaired the meeting from Cork North Central, Christopher O'Sullivan from Cork Southwest and James O'Connor from Cork East were at that meeting and it's beginning to look as if there is a definite shift coming against Micheál Martin uh, John Lee, Executive Editor of the AMA Group in Ireland. Is it a case John of Micheál being quietly told go or be pushed? Good morning Morning PJ um, that's, that's what they some of those involved uh, in the meeting and um, around the larger par- parliamentary party said to me over the weekend, yes, uh, I spoke to quite a few of them. Um, what we what we don't know yet is the Taoiseach's response. He's a formidable politician and experienced politician. And um, uh, certainly it doesn't look like he intends... Uh, sorry, I, I, I retract. He has said that he does not intend on stepping down when the changeover, this unique, unprecedented changeover we yeah. have in our Irish politics now, the rotating Taoiseach, happens in December. <clears throat> but that then brings uh, a lot of things into play, uh, not least ambition, which is not necessarily a pejorative thing in, in, in politics, and the plan for the next general election. And really what still, <clears throat> as we know, many um, all walks of life, the pandemic still hangs over us mm. and the deep freeze in which we were all put into um, figuratively during that. Um, the general election performance of Fianna Fáil in 2020 still hangs over uh, Leinster House and Fianna Fáil in general. Yeah. And it was not a good performance and very simply when uh, something like that happens the leader has to pay the price. Mm. Their opinion polls are on the floor as well. They, they are, and like you know, you, you're getting into areas of desperation when um, there's claims that certain opinion polls don't suit them, as Larry Gogan you say in the in the day. Yeah. And that's just you know, that's that's just getting, um, as I say, desperate. Um, but one poll has them at fourteen percent regularly. Uh, that, interestingly, if you were to look back on the on the history of the Red Sea poll. Um, Finna fall at twenty two percent in 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 uh, February twenty twenty in the general election, and almost immediately they fell to fourteen percent in that Red Sea poll, and they haven't come much higher mm. on it since. Now that means it's sustained. Whatever you say about the poll, it le- that you feel about the poll, it it leaves a sustained yeah. trend there that is not good. Yeah, yeah, and. That has to be addressed. There's no question, is there, John, that there'll be a heave on Micheál Martin before the Office of Taoiseach rotates? Uh, well, there, there was to me. Um, there, there certainly was that um, a, a suggestion. Uh, I think from the outside, 
Michal Martin um, appears correctly to be doing a great job as Taoiseach and everyone finds him an admirable representative of the country. But within the party, and I, and I only write articles like this <coughs> based upon discussions, sure. he is not seen as a, as a successful manager, chief executive of the party. Mm. Um, and what was outlined to me um, prior to writing for Sunday's newspaper, uh, the Mail on Sunday, was that they would expect him to declare an intention to stand aside um, in December and not take up that Tarnished's role. Uh, it's questionable what that role would be even. Um, if he does not do that, uh, a number of TDs have said that they will then allocate um, perhaps five senior members of the parliamentary party to go to him in a delegation and suggest he does. And if that doesn't happen, then we're into the only nuclear option, which is to have a motion of no confidence in the parliamentary party. And interestingly, unlike um, the long drawn out process in the UK that you mentioned there in your intro, mm. um, the a motion of confidence in the, in the Taoiseach, the leader of Fianna Fáil right now, is a vote purely between the TZs, which is a small... Uh, senators, MEPs like Billy Kelleher and mm. others aren't involved. Oh in no, just TDs. Um, no, wow. so it's a, it's it's a, it's a it's a tight um, group of people, and um, you know it, the numbers might not look great for him After there. That but meeting then again, last week, say, it's hardly likely he'd win that vote. Then, if it were to happen, sorry, I interrupted. I'm saying is if. Pardon, I, I just missed what you said there. Going by that meeting last week, he'd hardly be likely to miss or to, or to win that vote, would he? Well, if, you know, he's in a very powerful position, first of all, and I think we're a long way from that now mm. um, at the moment. He is the Taoiseach. He has the, the power of communications over the party. He has to give a response today, for instance, at a, at a, at a press conference. We'll see. Um Another phrase we became familiar with um, in in the UK leadership um, troubles was this payroll phrase, which is a new phrase that in the past we just called the people with jobs here. Um, he would have probably the loyalty of the ministers in his government, um, but because uh, you know unpredictability means those jobs are under threat. And mm. I don't again say a, a, minister, a, a desire for a job is not a pejorative thing either in politics. You know, you, you get a chance to do things. You get a, ch- a chance to um, change history in some ways that you have a departmental budget and forge ahead. Those people are there. and But even then in discussions at the weekend, um, if they saw... Um, something happening, yeah. some of those ministers may come over to that camp. Now, there are about, there, there's eight junior ministers, there are six cabinet ministers, including the Taoiseach, that's 14 people. That's not a lot out of the, no. out of the 36 that would be able to vote. And politics is a, is a game of opportunities, isn't it, John? Like, who are the contenders, assuming that, that he would have to go, who are the contenders... Jim O'Callaghan, one assumes, Michael McGrath, a possibility. Who are the realistic contenders here? Well, uh, firstly, I would say this this is a rather unprecedented um, situation because to have that meeting, I think, outside politics, to to say um, that a group of um, parliamentary parties would meet without their leader or without ministers, and as the minister said to me, if an email goes out and, and, and you're not invited and you're the leader of a party, it's a concern. That would mean Fianna Fáil is in a particular place that it hasn't been before. 
Um, and it's talking about leadership without a leadership contender mm. um, vocally standing up to say that they want the job. Um, but should all that happen organically, um, Michael McGrath would be traditionally in Irish politics being pole position. But if this is something of an anti-establishment um, backlash, that would debilitate his chances. Michael is the next um, f- a finance minister and extremely well-regarded um, member of the parliamentary party. I would say, and I'm probably going to be very unpopular here with your listeners, is that there, there, is, a, there is a feeling that a, a Dublin leader um, is something they require now. Well, um, you got there before I did, John, because I, yeah. I would be inclined to believe, and I'd put it in slightly different words, the Dublin political machine will never countenance two successive leaders from the same constituency from Cork. Probably not. I would. I, I would like to think. Uh, I think they'd like to think they're that well organised. I don't know if they are. Uh, maybe it's discrimination against Cork. I don't know. But no, what, they just wouldn't like it. Likely, I, well, I think if what you look at is Mary Lou Macdonald and um, Leo Varadkar are both Dubliners, but Dublin is going to be a serious battleground. And um, someone like Jack Chambers has been spoken about an awful lot. Now he's very young. Um, in, in but. Politics is changing worldwide. We've had young leaders in Hungary. We've had them elsewhere um, in recent years in Austria as well. Um, He's talked about a lot. Jim O'Callaghan has somehow fallen back, probably for in horse racing terms, being at the front for so long that he's he's beginning to tire in some ways. Mm. And they they are the primary. Michael McGrath, um, Jim O'Callaghan, Jack Chambers, Finna Fall isn't in a position where it seems to have uh, any women stepping forward have been mentioned very often mm. and that's really down to the fact that there aren't that many in the parliamentary party mm. that's that's a product of the numbers as well you know all, all parties are in that position so there we are would it, would it be unfair to, to ask that. you where you might put your fiver um i i i, I w- would be a betting man and i'm in a unique position that i get to talk to some of the people that are deciding the winner and I think really now, and this is more indicative of the state that Fianna Fáil are in, um, Jack Chambers seems to be the person on the tip of everyone's tongue. He's done a great job as chief whip, and I say a great job. He also has been Minister for Sport in using that to get around the country. And any time you see anyone getting a, a cheque for a new legitimate, um, <laughs> legitimately state-granted uh, astroturf or mm. goalposts, um, Jack Chambers is there. He has learned the art of flanking, actually, in fairness to him. He definitely has. Yeah, that's no no harm. Popping himself into any picture he can. Okay, John, I've no doubt we will talk again. Thank you very much. John Lee, executive editor of the Daily Mail Group, was writing about this in the Mail on Sunday yesterday. The view is that Michal Martin's days as leader, are numbered. Now, they're not going to do anything silly like oust him before the 15th of December when he's due to leave the Taoiseach's office. But they'll be looking for a promise that he won't become tarnished and that there'll be a new leader elected around that time. Uh, Jack Chambers, Michael McGrath, Jim O'Callaghan. There aren't that many women in the parliamentary party, but you could have a female contender there too. Kate says, did you see the Sunday Times yesterday about the Irish products cheaper in the UK? Yes, I did indeed, Kate, see that article. 
I absolutely did. I, I was trying to find it actually, um, and and go through some of the products because it's ridiculous. Stuff that's made here is cheaper in the UK right now. Quite a lot of stuff made here is cheaper in the UK right now, according to the Sunday Times yesterday. You're right. You're right, Kate. And is there a bit of profiteering going on? Well, well, well. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Now, there's a, a phrase that we've been hearing more and more of over the last number of weeks. Uh, gas rationing. We have a serious gas crisis staring us in the face heading into the winter when of course we're going to need more gas to heat our ho- our houses in the cold months of winter. But according to the Business Post there are some high energy businesses and industries in Ireland that just might have to reduce their operations or shut down entirely if the supply shortages continue. There is a gas pipeline runs between Russia and Germany. It's called Nord, Nord Stream 1. That is due to close for 10 days. I think from maintenance or something, but it's to close for 10 days from tomorrow. But there's now quite considerable speculation that it might not ever open again, that it won't reopen for the summer. And if that happens, gas prices could go through the roof. Green Party MEP Kieran Cuff joins me. Kieran, um, gas is already dear enough. We don't need it going up anymore. Good morning. You're absolutely right. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty about gas prices at the moment. And certainly within the European Parliament, uh, we're doing our best to uh, find alternative supplies to Russia in the short term. That means doing deals with countries like Egypt and others in the Middle East. Mm. But it has to be said that Ireland is part of the UK gas network and we're not as dependent on Russian supplies as countries such as Germany or Austria are. So it's hard to know where we will be in a couple of months' time. Yeah, but if Germany runs short of gas, they will buy it from whoever will sell it to them. I think you're right, and that's why I think we do have to make contingency plans in Ireland. Uh, I think certainly what we're hearing about uh, in Europe is that if there is uh, huge shortages, uh, we will try and ensure that hospitals and homes are protected, uh, and we will work with industry to see how we can reduce demand there. So it's it's an uncomfortable few months ahead. Uh, Prices have risen. Uh, a huge amount in the last few months. Uh, obviously, the sooner we can wean ourselves off fossil fuels, the better. Uh, there's huge potential there for rooftop solar and for heat pumps in the Irish context. Mm. But we simply can't make that happen Nor between now and the autumn. Nor people can't afford them either. Well, they're coming down in price, which is good. Uh, but you're right; it's a big investment, and mm. it's not easy for hard-pressed consumers. What about Barry Rowe? I mean, like, there's a lot of gas down there that would get us over the hump if we could just get it out of the ground or out from under the sea. 
Well, look, I, 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 I think people are looking carefully at where supplies can come from. I, I think really the challenge at the moment is to deal uh, with the short and the medium term. Uh, and there is still a huge amount of gas in the North Sea, uh, under the North Sea. Uh, there's still a lot of gas coming into the UK and coming into Ireland mm. and indeed coming through the Corrib field. Uh, but I think where the big decisions need to be made is in ensuring that we move away from oil and gas sure. as soon as we can. But that's people are worried about November, December and January next um, there's no, there's going to be no alternative in place by then. Well, some of the practical steps that the European Union is taking is ensuring that member states have their gas supplies full in advance uh, of the winter. So uh, we're ensuring that that member states put the effort into filling up those supplies. And if that happens between now uh, and uh, the autumn, it will make life easier in the in the months ahead. Mm. There's a lot of ifs going on. I mean, I'm not, I would, I, at this stage, looking to, I mean, okay, according to what you say here, homes, heating your home would be protected. Hospitals would be protected. School heating systems would be protected. But can that be guaranteed for running short? Well, well, that's a matter for, for the Irish government. Uh, at a European level, which is where my work is, uh, we're doing everything we can to pull out all the stops, to do three things. One, to secure gas supplies in the short term. Mm. And then in the longer term, to move towards energy efficiency and renewable energy. And energy efficiency means things like uh, providing support for people to insulate their homes. Mm. Uh, and that's something the Irish government is doing. Uh, and then making sure that we have those uh, alternative energies available. And as you know, we've seen a huge increase in wind energy. And then, of course, we need things like the interconnectors mm. that will run between France and Ireland uh, so that when the wind doesn't blow in Ireland we can import electricity from elsewhere but look we have a climate crisis on the one hand and we have an energy crisis in the short term on the other we have to tackle both uh, and that means changes in the energy that we use and safeguarding measures to ensure that we have adequate supplies in the short term Mm -hmm. like should we be looking at more working from home, for example, or less working from home, as the case may be, you know. Well, it's a, it swings and roundabouts. Cutting yes. temperatures, you know, lowering temperatures yeah. in the office. Does the office really need to be 22 degrees? Like, could the office be a little there's bit cooler? A, there's a lot of discussion about that on the continent, and certainly in some scenarios, they are going to cut down the temperature uh, from 20 mm-hmm. to 19 to 18 or even 17 degrees in, in certain rooms. And I think there is a lot of common sense in this. If we've entire rooms or buildings uh, that are being kept um, heated to the max for long periods of time, mm-hmm. then we need to manage that and, mm-hmm. and bring down the heat. I, but I think we need to ensure that people are safe, warm and comfortable in their homes. Yes, working from home, it cuts down on energy bills, particularly if you're driving a long distance Mm. in your car Mm. uh, every day. And petrol and diesel prices have gone up dramatically. So that 
would be one of the measures that will help. Uh, and actually, we, we the European Union published a list of nine practical things that we can do. Turning down the temperature or the thermostat is one of them. Uh, using public transport, walking or cycling can also help if you have that option uh, available to you. Uh, and just heating the rooms you need. Uh, and certainly going around the house and turning off the thermostat in the room, in the spare room or the rooms that you're not using, uh, particularly when we move out of the, this warm summer into the autumn is a very practical step that people can take. Mm. Like, are we talking about using more electric to heat? Well, I think we will see more use of electricity uh, yeah. Certainly, in the years in the years ahead, and the volatility that we're seeing with with coal, oil, and gas prices is something that we do need to move away from. Number one, because the the prices have gone through the roof, but number two, because uh, there is a climate crisis unfolding, yeah. and we're switching from gas to oil or something else, or to even to electric. Well, no, no, from from oil and gas to electricity, because in Ireland, forty percent of the electricity is coming from the wind, and we're hoping to get that up to eighty percent by the time the decade is out. So, electricity is the future um, for most households, and in the long term. We desperately need to move away from fossil fuels because they're giving us the record temperatures around Europe and the droughts uh, in Italy we're seeing this week. Um, and, and we've got to do something about that. Yeah, but record temperatures, Kieran, around Europe, they, they are concerning and let's not play them down. They are concerning, but they're not going to mean a whole pile to, to Mrs. O'Sullivan and her four children up in Farren if they're freezing in mid-December. No, no, absolutely. Uh, and that's why we have to provide support where it's needed. And the fuel allowance has been extended. Uh, and certainly the government will be looking at all types of measures when the budget comes around in September. I think we have to listen carefully to the concerns that people have uh, and do our best uh, to ensure that people are not left yeah. without heat. So, in the, so lastly, do you think, do you think lastly, that we yeah. are facing into a winter of gas shortage? It's a yes or no. I think there is. Oh God, his line dropped. <laughs> you there, Kieran? Oh, for goodness sake. Give us a break. His line dropped just as I was about to ask him the yes or no question. Kieran Kov swears that he um, didn't hang up on me. No, he didn't in fairness to him. The line just dropped. No, he says he doesn't have a crystal ball with regard to gas prices for the winter or indeed gas shortages for the winter. All he would repeat again was that the European Union and the European Parliament, of which he's a member, is attempting to make sure that it doesn't happen. We just have to watch and wait. But if Germany wants more gas, and Germany's, Germany is a gas-guzzling giant because they use it for factories and homes, and it, Germany's a massive consumer of gas. And if they decide to buy up gas from anyone who'll sell it to them, we could be all in a bit of trouble. Keep an eye to it, though. 0818 96 96 96. The government has a new idea for first-time buyers. If you want to buy a brand new house, as in a new build, and you can't quite get the money together between mortgage and deposits and, and all of that crack, if you're short a few quid, the government will buy in to the house. It's called a shared equity scheme. It's called the first 
Home Scheme, the FHS, which sounds to me like you won't actually own your house. The government will own a chunk of your house. Um, Finnegal TD, Colin Bork joins me for this. I, I was watching the, the, the departmental video on this this morning, Colin, and it certainly looks like a, like a great idea, but the government will own part of your house, won't it? Good morning. It will, yeah. It's a very good scheme from the point of view. Say, for instance, you take a house worth, um, you want to buy, say, for 220000 and say the combined income of the people is 70000 so they're entitled to get 3.5% or 3.5 times their earnings in a mortgage, so that's 245000 So they have to have a 10% deposit, so that's 32000 They're still short over 45000 and that's basically where the shared equity scheme will come into place. The government can put in up to um, 20% of the value of the house, of the equity in the house. And then the first five years, then you don't have to pay anything in respect of that equity. You can buy it back, um, but at least you're getting the opportunity of buying the house and getting out of the rental market. Right. So the government in that case of that 320,000 will be putting in about how much? Um, I think about 45,000. Um, or, or maybe if I gave another figure, the one say you're buying say for 400,000 um, and you're able to come up with 320 between mortgage and, and, um, and your deposit, mm. then the government will be putting in 80,000, 80, which is 20%. Um, and that's the maximum they can put in. If you're not getting the help to buy scheme, then you can get up to 30% equity. Um, but you you, ha- you are entitled then to buy that back, and you're not um, you're not paying any interest on that money while it's while they have the right. that investment with you. Is it not the case, Colm, that this scheme will just push prices up further because builders realise oh they can get the money. No, because the the there, there's caps put in each area. I think the cap on the county area, Cork County, is 350,000, so no house over 350,000 will come in under the scheme. In Cork City, I think the figure that's been put, the cap has been put, is 450,000. So there is, a, there is caps put in place, so it won't work if the figures go above that, go, go back, go above that point. 450 is a hefty house. It is, but the, the you know, there, there's also restrictions in the sense of it's based on how much you can borrow and how much, remember, it's 20% only, so that the government, or if you're not getting the health device scheme, then you can, the maximum you can get is 30%. Right. And who's eligible? Well, first-time purchasers, but we've also opened up the scheme for people who want to do a fresh start, say, for Arvind's sake. You've had people who were in a relationship where it didn't work out when they had a house and they're, they're, they no longer own a house. Um, so are people who are divorced. Mm-hmm. So there is a fresh start mm-hmm. mechanism there as well for people who want to try again because it's amazing the number of people I've come across where you know people have entered into a new relationship, they're now renting and they're finding all the restrictions on them from buying again and that this scheme will, will, will assist people like that. And I think that's a very welcome yeah. development as well. Yeah, to, to help them get inside the door and, it, and, and put yeah. their keys on the hall table is yeah. great. But then they're going to yeah. have to start paying this money back down the road, aren't they? Well, basically, for the first five years, there isn't a charge. Um, in year 6 to 15, the charge is 1.25% per annum. 
So it's not um, it's not a hefty figure in real terms, but it, so the first five years there is that opportunity. But you know we we've got to give every possible support to first time purchasers. I mean we will have I think by the end of this year we should have around twenty five twenty six thousand houses completed. I think by this time next year that figure will be up to will be gone up to about thirty thousand per annum. Mm. So for instance in the first quarter of two thousand and twenty two uh, there was over thirty new house or apartment starts. Um and remember in the in that same period I think there was something like thirty nine thousand planning applications so for individual units. So there is a huge change coming. And I think also Peter, one of the things that we're tending to forget is the amount of student apartments being built at mm. You taking Park City now, currently there's over two thousand student bed units being uh, being built. About a thousand of those will come into place in, um, I'd say, September, October this year, and it will probably take another uh, 12 months before the final thousand will come into place. And, you know, if you take an average of five students per house and divide that into uh, 2,000, that's taking 400 houses out of the um, where, where students are being accommodated. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the number of students coming to the city is increasing, but I think it's, uh, it, this is going to be helpful as well. Yeah. So there, there is a lot of things being done, and I think it's important that remember under this first home scheme, for the same cost as it's costing to build one local authority house, we're now going to be, say if you take the average of 400,000 yeah. and 80,000 per house, you're 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 accommodating four families okay. for the same price as a, a local authority house is costing. A couple of things have come in on the phone, Colm. Would you not have to buy the house at the end then with another mortgage? What does the government do with the bit it's owned? Like, are it, can I pass no, the house to no. my children if they don't want, you know? You can, but the, 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 the first, as I said to you, the first five years, there's no penalty put on you. There's no charge in it. It's in the year 6 to 15, it goes up to 1.25% right. per annum, and then it goes up higher after the year 15. And if I wanted to buy out the government part yeah. equity, like would that be the price at the time of the deal or the market rate, like... I mean, that that for that we say fifty thousand today might be worth an awful lot more in a few years' time. So, do I my, buy it out at today's rates or at the rate in twenty years' time or ten years' time? My understanding, you pay back the money, you buy out the rate as 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 promised paid in by government. But I'm I, I'd look for clarification on that for you. Nice. But that's okay. my understanding. And as I know, you know, this scheme was only announced in the last few days. Sure. So there's still some uh, teasing out to be done that, but. I think it's a good scheme and I think it's important that we do get people out of the rental market and rents are crazy at this stage. Absolutely, rents are, rent, rents, rents, rents are absolutely daft and, and anything that will get people out of that kind of r- ridiculous situation would help. Colin Burke, thank you very much uh, for the guilty deed for Cork North Central. It's called a first home scheme for first time buyers. But the government will literally buy for you 20% of the house. Now you have to give the money back to them, but we'll see if it works. Only time will tell with these things. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Oh. The Big 
Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. I'm with you every evening on the big drive home. Wherever you're going, I've got you covered with the freshest new music, the latest traffic updates and your daily showbiz fix. There's a chance for you to bag a smart speaker on the takeover and Love Island lowdowns with the stars of the show. Everything is in the Mallorcan villa. On the first night, I was very shocked. We had Jordan hair makeup. You're in there to find love, so you've got to look your best. So make sure you're with me every weekday from 4. The Big Drive Home on Cork's 96FM. Randy Santel, I know we were talking on Friday about the challenge in Tony's Bistro and both yourself and, and Katina were going to do it. You did it, I take it. Did you break the record? Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me back on the show. I appreciate that. But Delighted. yeah, no, uh, Katina and I both did like a, it was over three kilograms, uh, a big old burger challenge at Dwyer's of Cork on Thursday. Right. And that's what really, that's what really helped us. So my, my record for Tony's that I did back in 2013 was 47 minutes. We both beat that. And uh, Katina was actually the first woman to ever win the challenge. So that was neat. Uh, she finished in like 44 minutes, and then I've got the new record, which is around 21 minutes. What? 21 oh, minutes? Yeah. You got a flip top yeah, head or something? that's what I was saying is that big old burger just kind of opened up our stomachs. So we were ah, Randy, come on. You got, a flipped up, you got a flip top head like a wheelie bin? You just poured it down your throat? Good God. It was just not. It was just nonstop. But yeah, twenty twenty one minutes and thirty four seconds. I think was the was my time. <laughs> I say this with kindness. You animal. You absolute animal. Well, <laughs> you can say that because you've tried the challenge, right? <laughs> my goodness. Now, now you've got a record to come back to try to beat. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wouldn't do it in twenty one days, let alone twenty one minutes, my man. <laughs> so you're. I know you're headed for a train, so I won't hold you for too long. So. Tell me about this. Oh, no, you're great. The burger thing helped. Yes. Yeah. The the big thing is if you're trying to eat a lot, you practice by eating a lot. So usually, like, uh, if we're going to do just one food challenge, we try to – we train for it by, like, 18 to 22 hours before that challenge or eating contest. You want to just kind of max out your stomach and eat as much as you can. So that's kind of what the, the Dwyer's burger was for us. Of course, yeah, we did it as a challenge, and that's going to be a video, too. It was live-streamed on my Facebook, but because we had, like, 20 hours in between the burger and the breakfast, that was kind of our max-out meal for the breakfast, and the uh, the burger was bigger than the breakfast, so it uh, just kind of had our, our stomachs open and empty and ready to eat. Right. Now, you, what, whatever plus, about... Tony's food is so good. It's that, great. That but what, it whatever well. about the size of your stomach and the extent and the capacity, you still have to digest the stuff. Yes. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> That's a bit slower, yeah, no, that we, process. We, we definitely did not go out uh, on Friday evening. We, we went, or uh, on Thursday evening, we just went home and, and got a good night's sleep at our uh, accommodation. And then we woke up and walked all around Cork to enjoy the nice weather and the, uh, the atmosphere, and then finally, thankfully, we had enough room for the breakfast. It was at like two thirty, so I, it was. It's easier to do it in the afternoon than it is in the morning. Why is that? Because you've had time to digest what you had before. Uh, well, yeah, you had time to digest, but also too, it gives your uh, your your stomach and your whole body just time to wake up and kind of get hungry. Right. Okay. Twenty twenty one minutes. I mean, because I think I had just some water, some coffee, and an orange for breakfast on Friday. Right. Uh, just to allow myself to keep digesting and gotcha. and uh, we'll call it emptying out to get to get ready and hungry. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so 
they used to they set a target on it for normal people of what two hours and two, two, and, a half two hours. and a half hours, and yeah, Katina did it in forty four yeah, minutes. Katina did it in forty four minutes, beating your original record of forty seven minutes, and then you went away. Yes. You did it in twenty one minutes. Was there some guy supposed to turn up as well to do it for charity? No. Correct. Yeah, and, and that person never did. So I was kind of puzzled. I was I was kind of like making room for him, but he never came. I guess he just thought it was too much breakfast. <laughs> well, in twenty one minutes, Randy, it's great to talk to you on 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 the show. Congratulations! I can say it again. Hey, no, thanks for the opportunity. And yeah, any anybody that wants to try the challenge, you just got to call them up and get it scheduled, and they'll do it for you. <laughs> You need to oil the hinge at the back of your head so it flips open the next time. Randy, thank you so much. My best to to Katina as well. So the Tony's uh, Breakfast Challenge, the record now stands at 21 minutes for the Godfather Breakfast. You've seen the picture. I've tried to eat the thing myself years ago. And I couldn't eat for about three days after it. 21 Minutes. Like, I mean, Peter O'Mahony wouldn't do that. Stream the freshest hits of 2022 on the Hit Mix. Let's go! Or find the biggest workout bangers on the Fit Mix. The Cork's 96 FM Hit Mix and Fit Mix are streaming live right now. Streaming live right now. Download the Cork's 96FM app. Listen on your smart speaker. Or go to 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966 966. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Scheme. Uh, Michael Barnes, he said, My daughter bought a house in the UK using a similar scheme, and she often says she'd never own a property if it wasn't for it. They bought out the government bit, and eventually it got them onto the ladder. But I think it's excellent to see it's coming in here. Thanks for that, Michael. Looks like it'll help a lot of people, all right. 0818 96 96 96. I still don't know much more about that crash on the Glenmire to Limlara route. Where there was a car on its roof. We don't know a whole pile more about it other than the fact that it happened. I want to talk more about prices and about, you know, feeding your family on a budget because so many people now, budgets are so, so tight with them. Uh, and before I talk to Anne Marie Gaynor, which I will in a minute, I want to go through that article on the Sunday Times, which was a good piece uh, by Valerie Flynn, where she looked into a number of Irish-made products, products made here, packaged here, sent from here to the UK, which are cheaper over there. And you have to wonder what the hell is going on. Like, if you take a big tub of pseudocreme, which is a must in any house, right? Big tub of pseudocreme. It's made in Dublin, in Baldoyle in Dublin. There's only one factory makes the stuff in Baldoyle in Dublin. It costs an average of eleven seventy nine in Tesco, up and down the country. It's eleven ninety in Super Value. In Britain it's around 
somewhere between 591 in Sainsbury's and 685 in Tesco in the UK. It's made in Dublin. Uh, a four-pack of fat-free Irish yogurts, which are made in Clonakilty. Good morning, beautiful Clonakilty. It's on special offer in Sainsbury's at the moment, but it's usually around 177 for the six-pack in Sainsbury's. Again, we've converted these prices into euro, or the paper did it. 177 in Sainsbury's for that six-pack of Irish yogurt. <laughs> it's 338 in super value. 338 in super value. The Tonic Hilti sausages, 177 in Asda, 195 in super value, 168 in Duns. Barry's Gold Blend Tea. Morrison's, 354 in the UK. 360 is kind of the standard price. Like, how are they able to do that? How can they take products that are made here, exported from here, and sell them cheaper than they are on sale here? It's the pseudo cream is the that's that's that that's the kiddie. The pseudo cream. It's like it's nearly twelve quid a tub in Tesco's and Super Value, and it's about six in the UK. And it's made in one factory in Dublin. Makes no sense. 0818 96 96 96. Now, the groceries, the spend on groceries in any house uh, has been going up. You only have to just look at the receipts and see this has gone up by a bit, that's gone up by a bit, that's gone up by how much? And it's all getting more and more expensive and it's been put down to all sorts of things. But as we face into autumn and winter, we know that it's not going to get better anytime soon. So how do you deal with food inflation? Anne-Marie Gaynor is the Irish budgeting mammy. Anne-Marie, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) You've done a list of about 10 things that we can do just to keep an eye on that food budget because it's sneaking up. It's a couple of quid here and a couple of quid there. But if you sit down and did the receipts from today and did the receipts from six months ago, there's quite a difference. Absolutely. And I definitely, because I, I, I'm quite mindful of my shopping and I do have it up on my page. So my shopping has gone up about 20 to 30 euro per week. And I've been, I've been doing it for about two years now and it was always the 450 euro budget for the month for my shopping. I'm struggling to keep that down at under 600 now. Wow. Wow. And I mean, I'm, I, I, I call myself an experienced shopper, if that makes sense, in the sense that I've, I've been doing it for so long, watching the prices and trying to keep all my food into a budget. And it's, it's very difficult at the moment. And would that involve buying everyday brands or would you be buying own brand stuff? Own brands, I would always do. I've always shopped in Lidl or Aldi. That's my place to go do all my shopping. I don't go into the big supermarkets very, very rarely because I just find I, I buy stuff I don't need. And because I, I cook from scratch, I, it's Lidl or Aldi. I can get everything I need. But definitely, it's everything's gone up. It really has. And it, it's it's really pressing families. And, you know, any middle middle earners, lower earners are really, really struggling at the moment. Yeah. So you've, t- you've looked at a few ways to... Yes. Ease the ease the burden, as it were. Yes. Yeah. Um. Definitely, the biggest one I say is meal plan. So, um, one of the things I do is 
say if I'm going to have a beef, roast beef on a Sunday, I probably would have more vegetarian meals throughout the week to kind of, you know, substitute the extra money I paid for the beef. Because even the same cut of beef that I would have bought two years ago has gone up about three or four euro in price. Mm. Yeah. Would you have, would you get a couple of sandwiches out of it on the Monday, like? Not in our house, no. I, I, I have two teenage boys. Never oh, God, no. <laughs> you're, barely, you're barely getting the dinner out of it. Uh, yes, yes. So it's, there's nothing there. People always say, do you not freeze the leftovers? I would do a big batch cook, and that's how I would do it. And, and literally, there would always be meals in the freezer that they could just take out rather than go for takeaways. Yeah. Because even our takeaways have gone up hugely in price as well. That's one thing I've noticed. They have. They have indeed. Yes. Following deals and getting in Going in shopping late in the evening. Now, I noticed this one a year or two ago because the stuff that's due to sort of go to use by or go to best before tomorrow, they'll discount the hell out of that just to get it off the shelves. Yes. I'll actually give you a tip. I went, did my Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. My food shop, I'd never done that before and everything was half price as well. So that's, I think, is one of the tips. But definitely in the evening, you know, that you'll have all the deals or anything that's going out of date the next day will be brought down in price. So that is one good tip if you, you know, if you're organised enough to be able to organise your day that way. Mm. And they do it generally with about an hour before the store closes. They just do it. They do, yes. It's it's, it's just be random. (laughs) It could be anything. It could be anything. So usually they have the yellow sticker kind of um, shelves where they put all that kind of stuff on. But um, throughout the shop, they can put they'll put on deals. You know, as the day goes on. Um, definitely, I think the one problem that a lot of shoppers have though is that they don't do a list and they don't know what's in their kitchen presses. Yeah. So when when they go shopping, they keep buying a bag of rice every week and all this kind of thing, and then it all stocks up. And I've done it myself. I remember going in one day and going, "Oh my god, I have four things of hot chocolate. Who's ever going to drink all that?" So it's definitely knowing what's in your kitchen and then plan your meal around that. So literally, before you even step foot in a supermarket, you need to be really organised. Know what's in your kitchen. Know what you're going to have every single day. Do your list. And um, one of my big ones is go to the same supermarket every single time, because you can do your list as if you're walking through the supermarket. Because yeah. you, you know in your mind where everything yeah. is. Go in really fast and come out the other end and get a smaller trolley as well. Because if you can, rather than getting the bigger trolley, if you have a smaller trolley, you're not going to put in extras because you've no room. So if you can do that, that's one of the that's one of my big tips, and it works brilliant for me. Because even especially when you're at your lid and you see all the deals in the middle, if you're going in with a smaller uh, trolley, you don't have room for the deals. <laughs> yeah, you, you you don't have room for the for the sofa. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, or, or the power the washer, stool, the power yeah. washer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I noticed that you encourage people to take out cash and pay in cash. Yes. Now I'm I I will be cash for all my living expenses. So my fuel, my coffee's going to work. I have an envelope for that. Um, my um everything I would take out cash as living expenses. The only thing I'd leave in would be a direct debit savings, all that kind of thing. But every single payday, I take out my cash, put it into my wallet, into my different envelopes, and I find that when you're going in with a hundred and twenty euro cash in your hand. And if you don't bring your card, you have to be really, really clever and know that you're not going to be, go over when you're at the checkout. So it's, it's all kind of tips and tricks. You're tricking yourself, you know, to, to be a good spender, but eventually it becomes very mindful. You're adding up as you go. Yes. Yeah. But you'll have a fair idea what if, when you're going in to do your shop, if you're, as long as you don't put anything that's not on your list on. <laughs> you know yeah. that kind of way. So you'll know oh, yeah. when you're going in with your cash. Yeah. Yeah. Now... More use of your freezer. Um, come back to dates used by and best before. Now, we know there's a difference between one and the other. 
Um, best yes. before is exactly what it is. Use, I mean, if, if the use-by date is tomorrow and you're not going to be able to use it, if you freeze it today, you're okay, aren't you? Yes, you are. Um, my freezer is my best friend. I literally, I got I've one of those chest freezers that I got free. Someone was giving it away in adverts because people always go, oh, it's too expensive. Look out for all those kind of things because they do have kind of stuff on done deal and adverts for free. And um, I freeze meals. I freeze everything. I will go around my kitchen halfway through the, the week and look, see if the dates are going to date. And if they're c- coming up close, I just throw them into the freezer. Right. Because that does pause the clock, as it were. Yes. And um, another, yeah, and definitely the batch cooking out is a big one for me because I do a big kind of cook off at the beginning of the month. I'll freeze all the meals. So if if we are, um, there's always a meal there. So there's always one meal already paid for at the start of the month because it's yeah. already in the freezer. Yeah. Like for example, take something you now. Like you find a couple of chicken breasts right at the back of the fridge, yes. and and the use by date is tomorrow. Uh, you're perfectly okay to knock a curry together. And freeze it. Yes. And that'll that yes. that that's grand then. Yeah, it's perfect. Yep. Okay. I do a lot of um, minces and lasagnas and all that kind of stuff is really good for that as well. Yeah, because people people to be afraid of the use by date. Not so much the best before, but they're they're afraid of the use by date. But if you freeze it on or before the use by date, you're okay, are you? Yes, you are. Good, good, good. Um, now, sometimes to go out a day beforehand, so do have a look at it yourself. You know, you yeah. know, <laughs> because especially in this hot weather, they do go out a day beforehand. Yes, but it is it is okay to freeze. Yeah, and in this weather, put the milk back in the fridge every time you take it out because it'll go like the like the clappers. Yesterday, I had a half liter of milk went down the drain. It wasn't out oh, for yeah. fifteen minutes. That's yeah, and that's one thing as well. You can freeze milk. This is another because people always go, you? you don't have to go and do yes. Um, people are always going to me, do you not go have to go and do a top-up shop? I will not step foot in a shop if I can help it until the next week. Because, you know, when you're going to get this extra carton of milk and all this kind of thing, and then you come out with Mars bars and <laughs> bottles of Lucasade and all that kind of thing. Guilty as charged. Downfall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So if you freeze, I always freeze my bread and milk. So literally, I, I buy the two litres. You take a little bit of the top, pop it into the freezer, and it's perfect. I don't hear any complaints about it oh, really? not being... They taste the same, yes. Does it not so separate when it comes back when it thaws out, no? No, I just, I just put it up, sitting out in the counter overnight, come back down in the morning and it's it's cold and it's defrosted. Give it a shake, it's grand. <laughs> yeah, but it's a brilliant tip to always have that kind of spare milk in the fridge or in the freezer because that'll stop you running off to the shop and you will buy stuff when you go into the shop again. And it's the one that runs out, isn't it, a couple of times. Oh, God, is. we've no milk. You open the fridge. Oh, Lord, we've no milk for the morning. I Down to the shop. Out, uh, too much of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one or the other. That's what I find in our house. They're all gone really fast or there's none. Or they, they too much of it. They didn't touch it all week. Yeah, yeah. And cooking from scratch, which I guess if you're able to do it is great, but you advise it anyway. Oh, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's very simple. I have to put a lot of recipes up and um, it is very simple, simple once you know how I actually... I used to use jars and all that kind of stuff. I remember I actually got really health conscious and that, that was a while back and that's when I started cooking from scratch. And, the you know, I found less bloating, all that kind of thing for your digestive health. I just found it worked so much better as well as saving a lot of money. Yeah. Um, back to school. I was quite depressed actually at the weekend walking around Tesco, I think it was, um, and all the back to school is, I mean, would they not let the children have a little holiday before they start putting uniform? But at the same time, if you're trying to budget for back to school, now is the time. 
No, Christmas was the time. That's what I always say. If you follow, like, on my page, I always say start saving for back to school as soon as Christmas is over because it is one of the big expenses. And I always say there's two expensive expenses for families that you can't avoid, and that is your back to school and your Christmas. You know, there are big lumps of money that come out yeah. every at those times every year. And there are two times everyone kind of gets and goes, oh, my God, I have to I have to save up for back to school. Or, oh, my God, it's Christmas is coming really fast. So I always say kind of start saving early, but it is good to get the deals in and all that kind of thing. And a lot of the deals, especially with the school books, kind of stop mid-July or even before it. You know, all your deals are kind of June. Um, the 10% off or the 15% off, or you're covering for free, all that kind of thing is early. So it's good to have the money and kind of get it done in July and be ready. The only thing I can't get is uniforms because they're, they're growing so fast. Literally, they'll be growing out of it. But apart from that, I would kind of get everything early. Yeah, that seems to be... They do grow. I mean, they grow at a rate mm. of knots. <laughs> and so if you go... I mean, Especially teenage boys. <laughs> there you go. But buying two uniforms in, in August because they're on special offer, like, by the time you yes. come to take the second one out, so they're bet into it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'd only buy one uniform. And that's how I do it, simply because, like you said, they just grow so fast. And if they need another uniform after Christmas, then I'd buy another uniform. But going back to school, I'd only kind of buy one uniform for the secondary because it's so expensive. Yeah, yeah. Anne-Marie, it's tough months and weeks ahead for families, but thank you. A few good tips there. Anne-Marie Gaynor is the Irish budgeting mammy. You'll find her on social media with all sorts of ideas. But did you know that? I didn't know that you can freeze milk. I did not know that. There's something I've learned this morning. You can freeze milk. Betty says, I'll cook a roast beef today. I'll use the leftovers to make a beef curry tomorrow. Uh, The three litres milk in Lidl is now... Is it Lidl or Lidl or Lidl? Or my mother-in-law used to call it Lidl's. But then again... Lil was in her own little world half the time. The three litre milk in Liddell, Lidl, I've done it now, Lidl's, was two ninety. Six months ago, that was two euro. And their 12 pack of sparkling water has gone up by 80 cent. Yes, it has, because we buy a lot of sparkling water in my house. And the 12 pack, even though it's still great value at the price it's at, it has gone up by 80 cents. And on the Irish stuff being bought abroad speaking about Irish goods uh, I can buy a bottle of red breast now this is a British number so I can buy a bottle of red breast 12 year whiskey for 42 euro on Amazon in the UK which is about 46 euro but it costs 60 euro in a shop in Cork yeah I know it's Lidl I know it's Lidl I know but there are many different ways to pronounce it my mother-in-law had her own one entirely she called it Liddell's and we had no idea what she was talking about until she pointed to it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Now, we talked about the, the wonderful work that's done at the APC Microbiome Research Centre in UCC. It's a remarkable place, doing remarkable work. And... Their latest piece of research is telling us, or telling them, that microbiomes in your gut are effect are have a different effect on pain in men and women. I'm probably making a complete hames of describing that. So let's get on, Dr. Siobhan O'Mahony, who's been on this research team. So gut 
but gut bacteria, Siobhan, are determining your pain threshold. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Very well, thank you. Is that is that it's, it summed up? It is. It is. Yes. Because it sounds too simple to, I, to be true. <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's actually a skill. If you want to know, we often have to summarize our research. Uh, kind of in one or two taglines to kind of, you know, get the point across to, to the public as well. Um, because that's the the main goal is to kind of, you know, increase awareness about our type of research. And, you know, we're getting funded by the government as well. So we do need to get our, our research across in understandable ways as well and how it will help people. So, no, that was perfect. Mm, <laughs> thank you. So women then and men have different pain thresholds because of the yes. activities in their gut. Yes, absolutely. So um, lots of pain syndromes are more prevalent in women. And I suppose research has really focused, all different types of research has focused on men for so many years, for lots of different types of reasons, or males for, for, for many years. It's easier to do research in males. And the, the very fact is that, um, of course, the menstrual cycle exists in females and women. And changes in your hormones over the menstrual cycle are linked to changes in our pain and also linked to changes in our gut bacteria as well. So my own research um, for many years as well, also I was also guilty of, of the fact of focusing on, on men for the fact that it's more expensive sometimes to carry out research if you're including women because we have to take into account the menstrual cycle and you'd often have to sample like we did over three time points of the of the cycle to make sure that you capture you know the changes or the fluctuations in pain threshold or in the microbiome I've often heard it said Siobhan that if if men had had the first baby there'd never have been a second one does does that have anything to do with this women's pain threshold is it naturally high because of what they've got to do well, I think childbirth is a very different experience yeah. as well. So when I talk about pain syndromes, I'm probably, you know, referring to the pathological situations, okay, okay. you know, fibromyalgia, arthritic pain, lower back pain or neuropathic. Whilst childbirth itself, of course, is is and can be excruciating. Um, but you get a baby in the end. Um, and I suppose that type of pain is quite different right. to, to pathological pain where you know maybe damage is, is occurring and if you move, you're going to hurt yourself more. Yeah. Whilst during childbirth, every pain is closer sure. to your baby. So while women do have a very high threshold with regard to certain types of pain, yeah. such as pain during, during labour, for example, and I suppose we don't have the comparison in males and maybe males could, could cope Brilliantly, but with that type of pain, women have a higher or have a higher threshold, which means they're able to cope better. So, what kind of things have you actually found, and to what use can they be put, as it were? So, we found, I suppose, at a very basic level, that wasn't really shown in this kind of population before. So, this is a healthy population, and we showed that men and women have a different microbiome. A different and women have a different microbiome at different stages of their cycle. So whilst there has been some research showing that your gonadal hormones, which are your sex hormones, and we know they're different between males and females, um, this it wasn't clearly outlined which differences were existing in, in the bowel. So at a very basic level, we identified differences between men and women um, in their gut microbiome, showing that 
this is, these are driven by our hormones and we do need to pay attention to them. Then we also showed then, so the experiment we actually carried out was we brought males in once into the clinic and then we brought females in three times over their menstrual cycle over over a month, for example. We took a blood sample, we took a faecal sample, which is how poo, so which is how you actually uh, measure someone's gut microbiome. You take a poo sample uh, and then you run it through something called 16S sequencing and that'll tell you which bacteria are basically there. And then we also want to interrogate this access called the brain-gut microbiome access. Mm-hmm. And within that access, then, your immune system, your hormonal system and your nervous system allow for your brain and your gut to actually communicate. So we also found differences at different parts of this access between males and females. And we found that the pain threshold was lower in females. So what this actually means is this was going forward for, for how we can, I suppose, help and pain syndromes is that we know now that we can efficiently target the gut microbiome to reduce potentially those microbes that are leading to pain syndromes. So your bacteria within your bowel are very clever. They are really, I suppose, work with us as a host and a symbiotic level. So they can work with us and make us happy and maintain our well-being, but they can also produce substances that lead to inflammation. So trying to, I suppose, um, modulate the microbiome either with diet or probiotics or prebiotics, which feed the good bugs, Uh is a potential for pain reduction going forward. So so I was coming to that question. So does this suggest that down the road we could actually control a chronic pain condition through diet? Absolutely. Now, I also want to point out that it's not just your microbes, of course, that are associated with pain. I've mentioned the stress system, which is your main, your main, um, you have a hormonal system that controls our stress and our coping abilities as well. And our bacteria are very much able to control that too. So by kind of modulating the microbiome in the gut, we can reduce those bacteria associated with inflammation and pain, but also increase the bacteria that are associated with stress coping. So stress and pain have this very cyclical relationship. So what we really want to do is modulate the microbiome to reduce your stress, increase your coping with everyday pain, for example. So pain is a very complex phenomenon as well. So we need to target different systems. So both the stress system and the gut microbiome being targeted can potentially reduce pain syndromes in the future, yes. There's an awful lot of exciting things being discovered up there over the I remember the first time that they started to do um, brain and gut connections there. John Cryan back in the early days started to do it. I mean, the stuff that you, you know, it's, it's like... Could this, for example, here's a question coming in. Could this be yeah. helpful for people who suffer from the likes of um, IB, IBD, irritable bowel? Yes, yes, absolutely. So irritable bowel syndrome is is going to refer to as a functional bowel disorder. And that's kind of even tough for people that, I think it's a tough phrase for people that are suffering from irritable bowel because it's a very real pain. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So the type of pain I studied in, in the, the paper you're talking about is somatic pain, which is pain from your outside body, so your, your muscles and so on. But irritable bowel syndrome is pain from your gut, so your viscera. Mm. So you can't actually pinpoint it or target it or even if you go to the doctor you can't show it's the doctor where that pain is. So it's very yeah, it's very difficult to treat syndrome. Yes, absolutely. So studies have tried to identify which bacteria are altered or potentially increased or decreased in IBS patients. And it's also more prevalent in women as well. So diet manipulations and probiotics could definitely be a potential for irritable bowel syndrome going forward. But there haven't been any definitive ones on the market just yet. Like we do need to do more investigations because it's a complex disorder. But yes, some people manage their symptoms very well with their diet. I see. All right. Siobhan, thank you very much. Fascinating research all the time coming out of APC Microbiome Ireland, which is funded by the Science Foundation at UCC. And that's Dr. Siobhan O'Mahony from there. Thank you. 0818. 9690. Oh, my PJ, PJ, my son suffers. Are you there, Siobhan? My son, my son suffers with Crohn's disease. Could this help? Uh, we'll ask, we'll ask Siobhan. I think she's gone off the line there. We'll ask her that. Could there be some hope for Crohn's disease in this? That's awful condition. Awful, awful condition. Thank you. 0818969696. Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. Scottish indie outfit Arab Strap come to Cypress Avenue for their first Cork show in years when they play the venue this Friday, July 15th. Doors are 8pm and tickets are available at cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Fonakilty International Guitar Festival is turning 18 this year as it returns to West Cork on the 9th to 18th of September. Some of the first round artists coming to Clown this September include Andy Irvine, Marissa Anderson, John Spillane and Susan O'Neill. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie Access All Areas with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer on Cork's 96FM. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about damn time All right, you're nominating to bait the band at the moment. You can nominate Best Breakfast, Best Coffee, Tradesperson, Restaurant, Takeaway, Best Beauty Salon, Best Bar, Best Hairdresser, Best Gym, Best Burger, Best Pizza, Best Business Instagram. The list goes on. 
All you do is head over to 96fm.ie, nominate your favourite. There's also a €5,000 media campaign up for grabs from Cork's 96FM in the 2022 awards. The best of Cork awards with localheroes.ie, your place to find trusted gas boiler installers, plumbers, electricians and much more. The awards brought to you only by Cork's 96FM. 0818 96 96 96. I want to return to the story of vaginal mesh, which we covered in some detail last week. Spoke to a couple of women, including Mandy, who's had the surgery in the United States with Dr. Veronicus, who will be on the show tomorrow. I spoke to him at the weekend, and Dr. Veronicus, who performs this wonderful surgery, will be on the show with me tomorrow. But I've also been talking to Pat Morgan. Uh, Pat Morgan lost, she says herself, a decade of her life until she went to see uh, Dr. Veronicus. And I've been catching up with Pat for the opinion line. Pat, you have only quite recently had surgery uh, in Dr. Veronicus's clinic. And I believe you you Mm -hmm. describe it, as do many, as life-changing. Absolutely, absolutely. The transformation is remarkable. Um, You just have to ask my husband, my family, my friends. Um, I'm like a completely different person. I'm like the the old young me, if you like. Um, Yeah, I, I actually missed out PJ on about 10, 12 years of quality living. Um, since I had the mesh insert in 2010. Tell me about that. We'll go back to that. Why, why did you have it done in the first place? Okay. Well, prior to that, I had um, a subtotal, what they call a subtotal hysterectomy, where they removed the womb, but not the cervix. So not long after that, the, my vaginal walls prolapsed. And my bladder and my pelvic floor, I had no support in my pelvic floor. So I went to the consultant and she said, oh, well, we'll just do a very like small procedure. It'll only take 20 minutes, half an hour. And we will insert a sling um, and in my words, to hoist everything up. And I thought, great, that's wonderful. So you'd had this, you'd had this massive prolapse and you were told a, a short procedure and I was told that the sling would be inserted just to lift everything up and hold everything in place so I had that done in um, 2010 and then within about six months my symptoms recurred and uh, I went back and I was referred back to the same surgeon again and she did a second surgery two years later in 2012. So after that, symptoms recurred again. And I saw a consultant and she said, look, your case is quite complex. So I feel I'm not qualified to deal with your situation. So I will refer you to a subspecialist. And a subspecialist is basically a specialist within a speciality. So that took another year for me to see him. And he examined me and he says, yes, you've got these problems, you've got the prolapse, etc. 
Um, he says, but what I need, I need to request your medical notes from the two operations that you had in 2010 and 2012. So he applied to, then to the, from the Antrim Trust to the Belfast Trust to get all my medical records. So I kind of ran back and forward to him for about two years. And the, the result of that was, he said, um, look, there's nothing I can do for you. Your case is too complex. Um, we'll just refer you for clinical psychology to help you to manage the pain. Psychology. Yes, psychology to help to man- manage the pain. And Pat, tell me, tell me about the kind of pain you were going through, the kind of symptoms you had, what life was like in that situation. Yeah. Gosh, well, first of all, I, I was practically housebound, um, a practical recluse. I stayed at home all day, every day. Any appointments that I had, I cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. Couldn't go to the dentist, the hairdressers. Um, just didn't go out the door. Um, I had very deep buttock pain, very deep pelvic pain. Um, I had problems with intimacy. That just went out the window. Um, I had swelling in my legs. I had pain in both groins, radiating down both legs. I had, I couldn't sleep properly. The pain, it was like having two broken legs. Um, the pain would just wake me up during the night. It was excruciating. I could, I literally could not stand and chop an onion. My back, lower back pain was so severe. Um, my back went into spasm. I had very, very painful hemorrhoids. I was, I became very depressed. I can imagine why you would. You, you couldn't even go to the toilet properly. I couldn't go to the toilet properly, no. My, my, whole, my whole life was revolved around emptying my bowel, and, which was very unpleasant. I was sore. Um, I, I had suppositories. I, I used laxatives. I was on painkillers, which made me constipated. Um, then I was put on other medication for the depression, um, I just basically just wanted to go. Sorry, PJ, I'm a bit emotional. You were suicidal. Yes, and and I don't mind it, and I will admit this. Um, yeah, I took I accidentally overdosed into and. Yeah, and ended up in hospital for a few days. And then in 2018, at one of my appointments with the subspecialist, he had to call in the mental health team because I just just didn't want to go on. I couldn't live anymore. And and, and nobody could see my pain. This pain was hidden. And, you know, it didn't just affect me. You know, my husband, he had no life. You know, I couldn't be a sister. I couldn't be an auntie. You know, I have little grandnieces and or great nieces and nephews that I, that I never saw. Um, all of my 50s, I lost a decade, 10, 12 years of my life, basically. Stuck in the house and didn't want to live. And how did you come to hear about Dr. Well, Veronicus? Dr. Veronicus, wow. Well, do you know something, PJ? covid for me, was a double-edged sword because I actually, after I was told that they couldn't do anything for me, 
here in Northern Ireland, I'd, I made a private appointment with a consultant in London. Mm-hmm. And I saw her in January 2020. My husband and I flew over. And then I received a letter from her in March of 2020 to say that the mesh needs to come out and that she would do a partial removal. Hmm. Right. So I, I really was none the wiser. And she recommended that I have a temporary ileostomy um, to see if that would help settle things down below. So I thought, well, well, I've no other choice. This is what I have to go for. And then COVID hit and it was locked down on the 20th of March, 2020. So that put everything on hold. So then I started to do research and I came across um, this magnificent lady called Mary McLaughlin from Mesh Ireland. And my word, I just owe her so much. I just cannot find the words to describe how brilliant she has been every step of the way. And and I just consider her a real true friend. So anyway, I got in touch with Mary and then she told me about Dr. Veronica. So I started to look into him and I looked him up on YouTube. I looked up by articles that he'd published and I thought, wow, you know, this this surgeon has done over 2,000 full mesh removals and you know he's so so experienced and his skill set is off the charts so anyway it actually took June of 2020 until March of this year and again it was because of COVID restrictions that Mm. you know I tried on two occasions to get out to see him but you know the, the, the US government put on travel restrictions so I couldn't get out but I finally managed um, I spoke with Dr. Veronicus on a, on a video call and all he wanted, all he needed to know was um, the type of mesh that I had implanted right. that's all he needed was the product number um, I was able to get that. I requested my medical records from the trust. I, my husband scanned them, sent them over to Dr. Veronica, and he said, yes, I can remove this mesh for you. And when someone says that to you, after what you've been through? Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I knew the journey out PJ was going to be dramatic and and it was, and Dr. Veronicus actually said to me um, when I was over there, he said, did you ever have any reservations about coming out to the United States? And I said, what do you mean, doctor? And he said, well, I mean, it's just such a long journey and you're just so poorly. And I said, well, put it this way, doctor, if I didn't come out to, to see you, I would rather be dead. And 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 that was true, yeah. you know. And whilst the journey was very very traumatic, even getting there must have been agonising. It well, it took me three three days to, to be able to walk straight <laughs> after <laughs> I got there. But it was grand. I flew out on the Monday, and that it took me to Thursday before I felt that you know it sort of came around a bit. Yeah. Um, I went in to see him. He did an examination. He was very gentle, 
very caring. He doesn't need scans or anything like that. He doesn't need anything like that, you know. Mm. And he just says, okay, we're going to do, you're going to have your operation on Saturday. So I went in for the operation. Now, whilst all mesh removals, PJ, are complex and difficult, the mesh itself, there's a bell, the belly of the mesh is, is the middle part. And that's probably the easiest part to remove. The difficult part is I had six arms coming out of the mesh embedded into the bones and the, the tissues in the pelvis. And I had an awful lot of severe scarring. Mm -hmm. So it took him over seven hours to get it all out in one piece. It's very hard to imagine the skills that something like that takes, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And he doesn't use scanners. I mean, he just follows the trajectory of the mesh itself. All he needs is the product code. Right. of the mesh that was implanted and then he can take it from there. So, yes, he, he is a brilliant surgeon. Seven hours is a very long surgery. Uh, how soon after that did you begin to feel a change? Well, I was I was discharged after 24 hours from the hospital, which in itself was brilliant, back to the hotel. I had to stay a minimum of 10 days simply because Aer Lingus, that was their policy, yeah. that you couldn't fly home if you had surgery within the previous 10 days. So anyway, 10 days later, um, I flew home, but um, we missed our connecting flight from Chicago to Dublin, so I had to stay an extra night um, in Chicago. So it took 48 hours to get home, and I went straight to bed. <laughs> straight to bed. <laughs> and... I woke up and I was so pearly. I just felt, I'm going to die. And then it turned out I tested positive for COVID. Oh, crikey. I just thought I'd be me up, Scotty. You know, I just felt so ill. I was. Forgive me for laughing, Pat. Forgive <laughs> me for laughing. <laughs> And I just thought, well, yeah, well, I'm, I always said it, but I prefer to do my purgatory on this earth than the next <laughs> So, so that 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 was that that actually took more out of me, I think, than the surgery. Um, I just felt rotten. I thought, oh my god, I don't, I don't want to have to go into hospital. So anyway, I had I had to take painkillers, which then made me constipated, and that was very painful. But my GP has been brilliant. And so about a week later, I turned a corner and I haven't looked back. All the fluid has gone from my legs. I've lost about 20 pounds in weight naturally without mm. trying. I'm going to the loo like a normal person. Such joy. <laughs> <laughs> I know people take it for granted. You go to the toilet. Now that you have recovered from yes. the surgery and recovered from COVID, you had the surgery in March. This is July. Yeah. How are you now? I am 100% fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't make it up. You really couldn't. Dr. Veronica has actually performed like seven procedures within that one surgery. He took out the mesh in one piece. He stitched everything up, fixed everything up. I don't have any incontinence. I don't have any pain. Um, 
it's, it's uh, totally trans- transformative. Totally transformative. How much do you want, Pat, for other women to be able to access Dr. Veronica? Wow. Well, I did listen to Catherine and Bernie. Yeah. And I just filled up because I just knew what these poor women are going through. Ideally, in an ideal world, oh gosh, we would love Dr. Veronica's to come to Ireland. You know, that, that, that would be the ideal scenario. Failing that, I do think that the governments, the, the health service, both north and south, should fund for women to go over there because it is worth it. Yeah. It's worth the travel. It's worth every, every second of it. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, I, I also would like, you know, more and more publicity to come out from this because I felt very, very isolated, you know, and, and it's great to bring it to public attention. Mm. Um, it would be lovely to have a centre that all women can connect and give advice. And When I first came across this story, or my team did, back yeah. around 2016, we spoke to a solicitor and at the time the women weren't talking. Now they yes. are, and it's, I have to say, it's joy to hear them speak. Yes, yes, it, it, it is It is wonderful. I mean, Mandy, Mandy spoke, I listened to her speaking with you. That's um, right. She, You can hear the joy in her voice. She, She's like a different person. You know, we kept in touch. Mandy had her surgery done last September. Yes. And when she was over there, she gave me daily updates on what to do and, you know, what to bring into hospital and all the rest. And that was so helpful. Yeah. You know, all the tips and advice she gave me. And we've stayed in touch ever since and we've become good friends. We haven't met up yet, mm. um, but hopefully in the foreseeable. Hopefully. We'll all, it'd be lovely for us all to get together. And Pat, you know? lastly, I think there were women listening, living with pain, living with discomfort that have been too fearful up to now to ask any questions. If any of them are listening to us, what would you say? Oh, what would I say? Too fearful. Well, do you know something? If if anybody wants to talk about anything, I'm very happy for me to give my advice. Okay. If anybody wants to contact me via WhatsApp, via phone or whatever, the government down, if you're talking about Ireland as a whole yeah. or Southern, the woman in Southern Ireland, um, go go to their, their TDs. You know, um, it would be good to, to go as a group. Yeah. You know, r- rather than one person, you know, writing to, you know, if they could g- get together some way um, en masse, you know, um, just sort of, we- we've set the benchmark now. Indeed. Pat, it's wonderful to hear that you are so well after you having been so sick for, for so long. Yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for being with me and for telling us your story. Oh, thank you so much. And as I say, as I say, PJ, if any lady wants to contact me just for a call, for a chat, um, please give them my number. We'll do that. And and many thanks just once again to Mary, who's been fantastic, and Dr. Veronica's. Um, they, well, they've changed my life, and please, God, they will all these other women. Pat, thank you.
All right. God bless. Thanks. Bye now. Wonderful lady. Wonderful lady. She's she's been such a fun conversation about something so serious as what she's been through. Carlos had just listened to her. She's amazing with her attitude to life. Indeed, she is all of that. Dr. Veronicus will be on the show on Wednesday, I'm told. Uh, not tomorrow. Wednesday, Dr. Veronicus will hear from the great Dr. Veronicus on the Opinion Line on Wednesday. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96fm. 0818 96 96 96. The number. The text to WhatsApp or voice messages to 083-396-96-96. The gigs continued uh, over the weekend and this weekend it was Westlife back at the Aviva in Dublin on Friday and on Saturday. Uh, Two packed out gigs there in Cork in August and I'm supposed to be going to that gig with my daughter so I was particularly interested to know how they did. Yes, I am going to Westlife. Why wouldn't I? want to see them and she tells me it's a great show she saw them before in Croke Park so she says it's a great show come on dad we're going fine grand Um, but how were they at the Aviva Crossy oh wow I'm so jealous that you're going to get to see them so jealous are you still singing do you know what I wanted to go because my mum wanted to go and we saw them in uh, Croke Park when they played four years ago and I was saying to myself you know what treat my mum We'll come up to Dublin and we'll watch them. I walked out thinking, hmm, I wonder can I go down to Cork and see them play. That's how good they were. Yeah. Big smiles out of everybody. Everyone singing. So when you go, you're not going to be here singing hear songs that you don't know. They're all the hits. Every single song you're going to know, you're going to sing, you're going to dance. And they have a 25-minute melody of ABBA songs. Get off the stage. Oh, oh. Oh, so the last time in Croker, they did it with the Queen music. And it was great, you know, just something different. With this, it was ABBA. And my mom turned around and she's like, is this really happening? And I was like, go with it. This is brilliant. This is a sing song. Everyone's singing, everybody dancing. Yeah. And it's just, you know what? The vibe around the Aviva on Friday. I only live across the road from the Aviva. And the vibe around there on Friday and Saturday was just, you know, you're thinking, we didn't have this two years ago. And now we have it. All the buses driving up. You could see, you know, all the different regions of all the buses. And I was walking around my mom and I was like, this is special. Something here. Four Irish lads on stage, 50,000 each night and not a bit of trouble in sight. Oh, it was so good. The the only place they get knocked really is is in their own country which is I think kind of typical of us. No, my daughter saw them in Croker as well uh, the last time and the minute she saw the car gates coming up. She said, Dad, we have to go. It's, I said, you're not a Westlife fan. She said, look, she said, it's a show. It's a fantastic pop show. I said, right, let's try this. Let's do this. Um, so it's, uh, it's literally just hit after like hit. It. It's hit after hit. It's hit after <laughs> Like It started off and I was like, I know that song. I know that song. I know that song. And then I was trying to plan a toilet break that I can run out or even go to the bar. And I was like, for God's sake, I know this song. No, I know this song. And like, we're talking old school, you know, Fool Again. Remember when they first came out and they loads of number one singles? Yeah. There, everything about like the stage was fantastically lit up. Now, I know in Dublin, we had the Sugar Babes performing first. 
and in, in itself like seeing the sugar babes after what years of them not being together yeah. and again they have the hit song but with cork you guys have emily sandy and i'm so jealous now i'm wild you I'm nearly go, I nearly go for that. I, I nearly go for Emily Sande anyway. You mentioned yeah. you mentioned Fool again. You, you sent us some clips. Like, they really, really did bring the house down. Let's have a listen to that. Fifty thousand people. Unreal. Wow. That's fantastic. And where, where were you? Were you on the pitch or were you in the stands, Crossy? I was in the middle of the field at the stands, so I, I could I could see it all and feel it all and look at everybody. And do you know what? When the lights when everyone's phone lights came on for some of the songs, you were just looking around and the lads were really taken aback by it. Like you could see them just every every couple of minutes. They were taking it in as we were taking it in and all their families were there. I think Mark's mom was 70. So they were having a little special birthday party right. for that. I heard them say Robbie Keane was there. He was celebrating a birthday. So I think the Cork eggs are going to be fantastic. Yeah. I, I think, you know... Do you know what I thought was a bit smart? Some some of the reviews over the weekend, I almost felt as if the people writing the reviews begrudgingly had to admit it was a good show. (laughs) I've read some of them as well, and I thought the exact same. I think people not want to dislike them, but they want to go, oh, it's worth life. But these guys sold millions of albums around the world. Mm. Millions. Um, And they sang everything live. That was the thing as well. And there was no stools this time around. They weren't sitting on any stools. Right. They were dancing quite a bit. There was a, there was a Beyonce song thrown in there as well. Uh, Nikki even joked as well. So when they went to get changed, I think they all had, you know, three minutes themselves to talk to the crowd and yeah. thank their families and all that sort of stuff. Poor Nikki came on and says, oh, I lost my voice. Or they didn't turn on my mic. I don't know why I'm not singing. And everyone just started laughing. And I was like, you know, a fair play to for even saying that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think people as well, they, even though they would very only very begrudgingly admit it, I think most people have a favourite Westlife song. Uh, we're going to play my one later in the hour, but here's another particular favourite. I think this, mo- this, this is a great moment as well from, from the gig at the event. some sound Mark's voice is something else like I don't think we appreciate it enough as it is you know how he sings yeah he's a decent singer in fairness to me he always was a decent singer I've, I remember seeing they did the marquee believe it or not back in they, they did the marquee that's years ago now but like that now it was just hit after hit after hit and they've had them I mean they've made, how many have they had like 14 top 10 hits or something like that there has been so many and I think you appreciate it when you're there and you look around and you see people of all ages. So you have people what in their thirties and forties 
mm-hmm. who were, you know, what maybe 20 when it started out. Now they have kids and their kids are coming along. And then you've got the grannies and granddads. It, it just, it was so nice to kind of actually just to sit there beside my mom because we'd never go to a concert together. And this is like our third Westlife concert. And I think I would become a fan just by looking at it through her eyes, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a party. They're singing and dancing, and people are loving the tunes, and that's and that's how it should be. Crossy, thanks a million. Uh, I might see you. I, I might see you in Parky Queef yourself and your mother if you're down for thanks a million. Uh, so eight. The Aviva Stadium Friday and Saturday, and they're coming to Cork in August. I've the date's forgotten. I the date's forgotten, but they're coming to Parky Queef in August, and it basically is a hit machine for two hours and 20-something minutes. 0818 96 96 96. We'll have a lash of a Westlife song later in the hour. The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The Two Grand Minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. Are you switched on to your energy rights? If you're worried about rising energy costs and are having difficulty paying your gas and electricity bills, you should contact your supplier. Suppliers are required to assist customers in genuine financial difficulty and can put in place payment arrangements to help you manage your energy bills. If you qualify as a vulnerable customer due to health, age or for other reasons, you can register with your supplier for additional protections. Switch on to your rights and visit cru.ie. Brought to you by the Commission for Regulation of Utilities. The Emergency Department at Matter Private Network Cork is designed to provide the best care to patients with urgent illness and injury. We're open Monday to Friday from 9am to 5pm with a dedicated and specialist consultant-led team. The Emergency Department is an integrated service with access to diagnostics, investigations and treatments within the hospital. For an immediate appointment, call 021-601-3333. The Emergency Department at Matter Private Network Cork. Ooh, look at this guy. All confidence and smiles. Come on. Hiya, um, I was just wondering. Go on. Do you want to meet my friend? We're not 12, you know. (sighs) Which one's your friend? Finding the right one can be difficult. 96FM Dating will help match you with someone that suits. Our listeners are genuine people who just want to meet someone nice. Register for free today at 96fmdating.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. So Cork Week is underway and I'm told <laughs> I'm told that uh, Anna Marie Fagan is on a boat about to race around Fastness Rock for the Beaufort Cup she's co-chair of Volvo Cork Week and vice admiral of the RCYC alright let's try it live where, 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 are, hi, where, where are you just now Anne Marie we're just heading off Roaches Point here now watching all the other race starts the this 1720s here, I can see with uh, 47 1720s on a start line. Is that something else? They're the really but big ones, aren't they? No, well, no, no they're, they're the one design boat uh, that has the name 1720, which yes. is the year the offer was formed. Yes. Uh, but there's six of us um, uh, doing uh, competing in the Beaufort Cup. We're heading, we're leaving. We started at the Naval Base this morning. We're heading down around the facet. 
which we'd hope to get to at about midnight tonight, and then we'll race back up, and 50% of the crew have to be from the services, and the winner will give €10,000 to a charity of their choice, which is a great uh, race. Fantastic. So there's six of you on the, on the craft, is it? No, no, there's six boats. So there's there's two um, British boats, there's one American boat, and there's, uh, I think, two Irish boats. Right. All ready for this, yeah. And what are con- the crew have to be from the RNLI or the I Army or the Navy gotcha. or that kind of thing. And what kind of conditions are you facing down towards the fastnet, do you know? Well, we woke up this morning to pure fog, which was the most detrimental thing for racing because of no wind. But now we have a sea breeze. And we hoped that we'd go out to the daunt and then we head down. We, we, were, we were kind of bobbing around the cove for a while, but we have breeze now and we're good to go. Right. Sailors are the best people to watch the weather because they have to watch it very closely because if it goes wrong, they can't race. So how is the weather looking for the next day or two, do you know? Looking okay. Okay, small bit of rain on Tuesday, but we're sure yesterday it was amazing. The amount of people that came across even yesterday and the atmosphere, it was just amazing. Yeah, talk to me about it. The the village is open and the racing is on right through the week. Yeah, and here, right through the week, if you can come up here, even Fountainstown, Myrtleville, Cove, um, the new park and ring skiddy, go come out and see the racing. It's just amazing. I'm looking at it here now and it's just fantastic to see. Get on the water if you can, come out and see it. Um, Great things to be seen. The whole village is open. Camden is open. The Marys and Pipers is open. Lovely to see anybody during the day and, and see the racing out in the water is fabulous. Wonderful to see it and all Fab back. Yeah, Fab and, and Volvo and, and uh, Port Cork and Heineken and they were all around last night. It was just fantastic. All our sponsors, just amazing people and we couldn't do it without them. Yeah, yeah. So you're headed off now out towards the Fastnet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please God, now we'll win it. <laughs> you know what? Sa- listen, safe, <laughs> safe, safe travels. Peter, thank you for the call. And, and isn't it fair winds, isn't it? Safe travels and fair winds. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. <laughs> and thank you, Rachel. Her, she's a busy woman. Bye. Let her get back to what she's doing. Uh, she's on board a boat. They're headed for the Fastland for the Beaufort Cup. They'll be there tonight. They're going to go around it and back up again. Six boats in that race, but it's all part of Cork Week, which runs in Crosshaven. Volvo Cork Week running in Crosshaven for the week. There was a time when getting tickets for Cork Week. They started looking for tickets in February. Uh, not quite the rush on it these days, but a great event, no doubt, and attracting big crowds. And with the weather yesterday, it would have been fabulous down there in Crosser. 0818 96 96 96. Mayor Pride Vibes is live. Cork's 96 FM's Pride, Li- Pride Vibes. It's our new online radio station playing the biggest hits and shining a light on Irish life with conversations around the issues that matter. And we're counting down to parades and celebrations across Ireland. You can stream it right now on the Cork's 96 FM website or on the app. And it has its own website too, which is pridevibes.ie, supported by Voltrol, the joy of movement. And listen live now with Cork's 96 FM. There was a comment or two that I forgot to come back to. This was earlier this morning, talking to John Lee from the Mail about the prospects of Michal Martin's leadership being challenged. He's supposed to step down as Taoiseach in December and become Tonishta. And the vibe in his party is, uh, sorry, Michal, that's not going to happen. As in, you're not going to step down to be Tonishta because we want a new leader. Uh, And the, the mood is gathering, shall we say, for that. He has insisted he will lead 
Fianna Fáil into the next election, it would appear that Fianna Fáil, or at least certain elements of Fianna Fáil, have different ideas. And John was going through who the runners and riders might be. He's tipping Jack Chambers, the Chief Whip and Minister for Sport. Jim O'Callaghan was always tipped as someone who'd like a tilt off it. And Michael McGrath, of course, uh, Minister for Public Expenditure and Micheál Martin's constituency colleague in Cork South Central uh, would be up there, but he's not declared. Uh, there's no leadership race at the moment anyway, but those are the runners and riders. Um, where did I leave that? Yeah, Ed, John says, on the demise of Micheál Martin, he he. Fair enough. And D says, the people want the walk, not the talk. I'm assuming that you mean, D that people just want him gone at this stage. Okay. Um, can I ask, who was PJ talking to about gut health and probiotics from Tom? That was Dr. Siobhan O'Mahony. Uh, who is with the APC Microbiome Ireland team at UCC. Courts 96 FM. Yeah, if you want to catch up on any of the various items we've had during the morning, remember there'll be lots of podcasts from the show going up after midday and indeed the full show will appear on your app or wherever you get your podcasts in the middle of the afternoon. So we'll have uh, Dr. Siobhan O'Mahony on that podcast, both podcasts on her own and on the main full show. Just for Tom and anybody else who wants to hear it back. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, if you have a fear of heights, why would you walk across a 55 metre steel tightrope suspended over Ireland's fastest flowing river. Tashbork, are you mad? Good morning. Hello, how are you? Very good. <laughs> you have a fear of heights and yet you're going to try this. Tell me more. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I suppose I am a bit mad. Um, uh, thank you for having me on, by the way. Um, yeah, I... Uh, well, I suppose um, this opportunity came up. Um, I've been doing, I, I'm an artist and I've been working um, with tightrope, but on a much lower level um, uh, in the circus factory in Cork um, for the last number of years. Right. Uh, before that, I, I would have done <clears throat> kind of aerial I would have been an aerial artist and you think oh she doesn't have a fear of heights but it's quite different when you don't have something to grasp onto or hold yourself up um now when I look at my sister you know for instance who's like really scared of heights I feel like a bit of a you know an imposter I, I do I do have vertigo and I'm very nervous but you know I just want to put it out there. I really sympathize with people who are like really, really, really scared of heights, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, and, and there will be many people on this project, which is called Lifeline. I don't know if you know anything about the actual project. Um, it's part of in the Galway, Galway Art Festival and, and there'd be a, a lot yeah. of people doing it, yeah? Yeah, there's going to be 150 participants from around the world, really, um, um, particularly around Europe, coming to Galway to walk this line. And um, it's a lovely project. Um, it's for a very good cause to you know, raise awareness of suicide. And um, 
Yeah, uh, it's it's quite close to my own heart and um, also just where I was at in my own life, you know, that this opportunity came up and okay. I'm planning a work um, that I hope will manifest in 2024 and, and start to manifest physically much sooner in a swimming pool where which will feature a tightrope amongst other things. And this opportunity came up and I said, well, this is a no-brainer. I have to okay. pursue this. I have to be part of this because you, it'll help me on this journey. You say the title um, walking is a form of meditation. <clears throat> yeah, well, it's a very extreme form of meditation. Mm. How the hell do you relax up there? Um, well, I, I would say it's, a, it's an extreme a form of accessing a meditative state because you know you're really forced to like you you just can't think of anything you know when you're there on the wire you have to you have to just stay very very focused okay. um uh yeah and particularly like vi- visually like in this training this five days training that i did in cork in the marina market um, thanks to the Circus Factory, mm-hmm. Galway Community Circus are producing um, Lifeline. Vincent Vouters, who is the head of the School of Phenambulism. Phenumba- yeah, that's good. I didn't know it had its, its, its own vision. I didn't know it had its own name and all. <laughs> Phenambulism. Yeah, well, yeah, well, as as far as I know, um, Phenambulism is when you um, use when you, it when it's pole assisted. So when you have this very long pole, and there's different lengths of pole that you can use, um, and um, we'll be using quite long poles for extra safety and extra balance um, on the wire whereas tight rope walking um, would be um, you know when you don't have a pole you might use an assist like a little fan Uh, I I tend to just go without anything but I'm working quite low when I do it as part of my own practice Uh, I'm just on like a little baby wire dancing around like a little bird falling off how how does it like how does it, I'm trying, trying to, to put your foot out onto a piece of rope or wire that's only an inch or two. Yeah. How do you, you've got to have yeah. huge trust in yourself to yeah, hold your balance not, there, don't It's you? not even an inch or two. It's yeah. like, it's like 15 mil or maybe 12 mil. I I think they'll probably be about 15 mil right. or, you know, um, um, yeah, like when, you know, you see other people, when I, when I came to the training um, the first day and I actually went to an outdoor uh, sort of recce training in Galway um, Friday week ago, uh, which was hugely helpful in terms of um, just doing it outside. Um, yeah, when you see people up there, you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I could do that. I could do that. You know, particularly if people are doing it well, like with anything, you know, you're like, oh, yeah. And then you get up there and, you know, you're like, oh, my God, no, somebody get me off this thing. Uh, so that first step is everything because that's commitment then. Right. You know, it's it's that's when you commit to crossing. And I haven't done a 55 meter um, long crossing over, as you say, uh, the fastest flowing river in Ireland yet. So that's going to be another challenge again, you know, of just committing and saying, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And um, I have to stay at home in my body. You know, I have to uh, because I suppose the thing that we often do, even right now, just this talking on the radio, I feel myself flying away from my body a little bit, which is completely different, you know, 
but in a way it's not as well it's all psycho you know it's all psychology um of what you're actually capable of and um i suppose one thing i really noticed uh, just with the physicality, like I, I've danced since a very young age and, you know, I'm hugely interested in in the body and the micro movements of the body. And also I've had a lot of health issues, um, like I've had quite a few surgeries. I won't go into that now, okay. but like I have um, like hypermobility, which is very, very common. Um, so there's a kind of a it, it got me thinking about that with the phenambulism particularly um, because uh, I suppose with hypermobility brings a certain amount of instability in the body because you're kind of lacking in collagen. Right. So Hypermobility, um, like does that I mean, you're be, a li- does that mean yeah. double jointed kind of thing? Is that- uh, yeah, yeah, which is a kind of you know myth, but like yeah, yeah. yeah. So so basically, it would I I would have had a good range of flexibility, which people would say, oh, that's a good thing, you know, when you're doing back. But actually, it's 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 very vulnerable making because you have to be very careful when you're working with hypermobility, yeah. um, because you can go you can push push into ranges that can cause a lot of damage, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so. So coming back to the phenambulism is like it's something I know I really I became very aware of, and I suppose it's kind of a bit metaphorical as well. The potentiality for collapse at at any point, you know, and it's when that starts sort of kind of ideation or thought comes in that you're like, oh god, you know, I could, you know, that kind of dropping the baby sort of ideation or standing at the top of a cliff and you just, you know, it's a very human kind of instinct. Oh god, I could just throw myself off there, or (laughs) I could just fall, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, when that kind of thought comes in, you have to be you have to really find yourself in your body feel the wire under your feet and, yeah. and the, the biggest thing about that I think with the wire is just keeping contact and it's the same with anything like if you're dancing with a partner the wire is your partner if you're dancing on the floor if you're doing foot floor work the floor is your partner yeah. you don't just slam around on it you think about something that you're treating with you know gently and with care and respect and yeah. you're just going to be Keep contact. Um, yeah. Someone and, um, on the phone wants to talk about the shoes. Like, what are, are they? Yeah. <clears throat> are they yeah, like ballet so, shoes or what are they? Well, like, I think for Lifeline, they are going to provide shoes and costumes. I don't know what they are yet. Um, I'm quite delighted, though, because it means I don't have to think about organising a costume. Um, but uh, I do have my own tight rope boots that I got custom made at a great expense with um, a, w- a woman Isabella Myers in London and um, yeah like I mean they're they're amazing I have like really deluxe boots so I'm very lucky but actually if you're working outdoors I'd be a bit loath to wear them because they're made of suede and really good leather and I don't want them to get destroyed I mean mm. I am a poor artist so are they soft do they have a soft sole? Yeah, or so what? they basically have a suede sole generally. They have a suede sole. But when I went up last Friday to do a bit of work, or Friday week ago to do a bit of work in Galway uh, just by the the ocean, it was quite mad. We saw dolphins jumping up on wires. I wore my wetsuit boots uh, because it was pissing rain all day. We were all soaked to the bone. <laughs> 
and it was quite gusty and um, they actually worked okay like I was a bit nervous about them being slippy um, They we had a, one or two uh Tony Mahan, who I have to give a shout out to, he's brilliant. He's uh, I've worked with Tony. Uh, he's a rigger, and he's one of the main Irish um, <clears throat> riggers. One of twelve working on the project, and right. he's just working tirelessly on on the project. Um, and also Ula from Galway Community Circus. But um, he, um, like, he was. Um, he was there with us setting up everything and he'd set up uh, alongside Bruno from um, France. He's another rigger. He'd set up some slack lines as well. And so you can have, it's a bit of a paradox, but you can have like taut slack lines. So you'd, ha- you'd see people with slack lines between trees and mm-hmm. parts and that. And I look at them and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. You know, I mean, that's... These so are the ones that they actually have a dip in them and, and, they, and they can move a bit. Yeah, Could, did a you, lot of movement. Did you do a training session with no protective mats under you? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you spotted that. Um, yeah, so it, it's kind of all about the psychology of it, I suppose, is that um, you, like, when we were in the Marina Commercial Park, we, I mean, the highest we went was two metres, which at the time I was like, oh my God, you know, I was like, two meters that's okay and then i got up there i was like oh my god seven feet <laughs> it's like, like also having yeah and having um and it's it's also about like all about context you know like we were in the marina market it's a fantastic space and it's brilliant that they we were able to use it and i'm delighted to see that space generally activated i have a studio next door but you know you're in a big industrial warehouse space with just concrete below you and you know so you you really have to stay up you know you can't let yourself (laughs) collapse now there was safety lines used on the two meter ones and then on the last day we didn't have the safety line and then when we went to go away it was a four meter high wire Mm. and there was a safety line on that and we had the wind we were you know the the gusts the slightly erratic lovely irish gusts and the lovely sideways Galwegian uh sideways rain (laughs) and i got up there and i was like good luck like i'm not going to be getting up there no way and it's much to my surprise it was quite different to um, the warehouse. There was something, I, I think because maybe it's something to do with my inner ear because, you know, it can be a lot, you know, physiological as well as mental. So I have this kind of hypermobility where I have to remind myself to stay stacked all the time. It's a big thing. Stay stacked. Keep your hips above your knee. You know, stay on top of yourself. If with phenomenalism, that's a big part of it. you control your centre of gravity, yeah, yeah, and keeping your body not not letting your hips pop out to the side, mm. uh, and the only thing that really should move is this long pole that kind of fans from side to side, yeah. and you really have to as well the grip on the pole because the pole is quite heavy, and obviously the f- the more nervous you are, the firmer you're going to grip on that pole, and the more you're going to tremble, and then if you go into really nervous state, your whole body could start vibrating, and that's a very scary place to be if it goes to that place. So the main thing with phenambulism and and wire walking and everything generally is staying relaxed, uh, trying to access that relaxed state because if you're nervous, you're you're scuppered, you know. Like, and come here um, to me when you get up on this wonderful fifty-five meter 
lovely friend. Yeah. Across the yeah. river. Like, will you have a safety rope? Then? Yes, there will be safety lines. They have to. Like, I mean, Ireland with its insurance, <laughs> not to mind, like they, you know, they have to. I mean, there will be a professional show later by Balfalto. The show is also called Balfalto. It's a newly formed phenambulism right. um, company. And I, they may be working with it, but I actually don't know. I don't know the details of that. Um, but they also have a community cast. Um, I was I was invited to be part of that, but I couldn't be up in Galway. Uh, that long Um, but it was was an honour to be asked Um, but yeah I think some of that will be without safety lines but they'd be you know very um, proficient wire walkers and phenomenalism artists but yes so for the 150 participants there's a back pickup point on a kind of a a full body harness that they have and um, and I've seen people fall like I'd almost kind of uh, I don't wish I'd fall but to have the feet feeling of falling like you know in martial arts you're taught how to fall yes. I think it's really important you know to kind of know that feeling okay what do I do if that actually happens and you know seeing it was helpful because you're like okay it's not it's not so bad you know I'll, I'll be hanging there but of course on the River Carib in that context it's going to be uh, next level um, because you really don't want to fall because you don't want the whole project to be stopped for you <laughs> <laughs> and for the rescue team to have to go and you know, say they, they'd be yeah. very efficient about it. I have no doubt they're a really strong team of riggers, you know. But, um, but you know, you, you, you obviously don't want that to, ha- to happen, you know. Um, but you'd be safe. They'll, you know, nobody is going to be put at huge risk. Yeah. Um, but, but still, you know, I mean, you don't know what way you're going to fall, you know. So, at least you know, at least you know, you're not headed down onto the into, the, into the river. There. Into yeah. The river. Um, and the line is interesting as well, the the safety line, because in a way it can be a little bit inhibiting, you know. You can really feel this pull on your back, so it causes you to pike a little bit in your hips, so you're kind of t- your head is... So you have to kind of fight to stay very upright with the line. I mean, I'm grateful for it, but, you know, it's it's an additional partner to think about in in the walk, you know. Um, yeah. When, yeah, when, yeah. Is, when is it not? Will we, be, will we be able to watch it online or what's the story, Tash? Do you know, I, I actually don't know, PJ. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have that information. Okay. Um, it, it might be streamed online. It's the Lifeline Project as part of Galway. I mean, it's very well covered and it's very well produced. So um, I, I, I'd be surprised if if it isn't um, and there'll certainly be a lot of footage of it sure like will. there's so many people participating in the project there is a chance if the lovely Irish weather doesn't hold up hmm. um, that uh, if if it's too bad on Saturday for instance that it might be pushed to Sunday so instead of Saturday the 16th yeah. Sunday the 17th but it's set to go ahead on Saturday the 16th and we're going up on Friday well I'm going up on Friday and there's a just a very short little tech rehearsal um, on Friday afternoon. So, um, yeah. Well, you yeah. look for you, you. You are looking forward to it. I can tell. Um, good luck. Is all I can say to you. Good <laughs> I, luck. I, I can't wait to get to the other side. But like, I, yeah, I hope that I can kind of enjoy the journey and find the meaning of life along the way. You know, that would be handy. <laughs> all right, Tash. Listen. Best of best of luck with it uh, at the weekend. She's in the Lifeline Project with the Galway Community Circus, Galway Arts Festival. That's Tash Bork, and she has a fear of heights. <sighs> 
better at you than me, I gotta say. There's one, there are very few things I won't try. But walking in a tightrope over the river Corrib uh, is one of them, to be perfectly straight with you. So they had the glorious, most glorious of days for the Lee swim at the weekend. And for the first time in the history of the Lee swim, it was won by a female swimmer. And Hannah O'Shea, you've not even done your leaving cert yet. And there you are, champion of the Lee Swim, Hannah from Grenada. Good morning. Good morning. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Coming in as the first female and then realising you've beaten the men as well. Tell me about that. Yeah, we were so close. It was such a close race for the the whole two kilometres. You're all next to each other. And then at the very end, I think I just edged ahead and touched um, the float at the end. Mm. So I didn't even know at that point, I hadn't even known that no female had ever won it. I hadn't, I kind of knew that I had won at that point because I saw everyone else finishing. But it was, um, it was exciting even yeah. after the race. Now, you've been swimming since you were very small, but this was your first ever open water swim. Yeah, um, yeah. We train in the pool in Mayfield all the time. I'd never really done anything um, serious other than going to the sea with my family. So um, open water is different to the to the pool. Yeah, what is the difference? Um, the the pool is twenty seven, twenty eight degrees. You have yeah. the lights. You have the lane ropes that keep you, you know, straight. Keep you um staying online whereas in the in the river there's nothing below you you can't see the bottom it's very dark and cold and cold yeah how cold. cold how cold was it um when i dived in i think it was a bit of a shock i didn't realize quite how cold it would be when i first dived in but you know when you're swimming i was swimming quite fast so when you're swimming like that you warm up quickly but then um you warm up and then when you take the turn when you go back upstream um, the water temperature seemed to change a lot so then it was very cold for the last 300, 400 metres. Yes, you finish up there by the Clarion, don't you, by the Clayton Hotel? Yeah, yeah. the Clayton. And two kilometres, it, it doesn't sound like a lot but that's, if you think about it, that's what, that's, that's like 40, how many laps? That's 100 laps of a 20 um, metre pool. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I think one hundred would be sixty. So yeah, well, well. So you started swimming what? We were six, yeah. When I was six in the Learn to Swim program in Dolphin Swimming Club, which is still around, yeah. And now they still have the Learn to Swim. So I started there, and then I went from the Learn to Swim to Lane Swimming, then into competitive swimming, and mm. I'm still here now. Yeah, and and what age did you? Or how long? Were you in it when you were, I really like this and, and, and I'd like to do more of it? How, how quickly did you realise that you belonged, as it were, in the water? Um, I think I picked quite young. I picked swimming as my sport when I was, I think, nine. I gave up GAA um, then and I decided that swimming, I wanted to stick with it and keep doing it. Like I was doing it, I'd say, four times a week then and I kind of said that I want to continue and mm. um, keep swimming. And do you train in the mornings now early or what's the story? Um, at the moment, we train every morning. We train at half five um, in the morning. Right. So waking up at quarter to four for that. Wow. Um, and then we have a couple evening sessions. So I swim, we swim seven times a week usually, but at the moment we're um, gearing up for nationals okay. um, in about two weeks. So we're swim- I think I have nine sessions in the pool this week. Nine. nine um, two nice. hours a session. Two hours a session. Yeah. That's a lot of swimming. 
Yeah. You will, yeah you'll turn into a dolphin. <laughs> well, congratulations on the win at, at the Lee Swim. Ambitions for the future? I mean, what, what you're, you're like leaving cert next year, but what, what would you like to do in the future? You want to keep going with this? Would you like to swim internationally? I'd really like to get picked for an international team. I think that's the, the big goal at the end of it, you know, get picked to go somewhere abroad um, mm. for Ireland. Fancy yeah. the Olympics sometime? <laughs> we'll see. That's a big one. It is a big one, but, you know, aim high. You didn't, you didn't, yeah, you didn't exactly. think you'd win the least swim at the first go either, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> well, somebody said, Mark just said, uh, well done, Hannah. What an athlete. Trains like a professional every day of the week. It was an absolute pleasure to watch you be the first ever female to win the Lee Swim. And your coach, uh, Mick McCormack, has been very helpful in getting uh, yeah. us to chat with you this morning. Hannah, best of luck. Congratulations. And we'll, we, I've no doubt we'll talk again. Young swimming star in the making for Ireland. Hannah O'Shea from Grenada goes down in history as the first ever female overall winner of the Lee Swim. The Lee Swim uh, dates back to 1914. Now, okay, it was didn't happen for years and it was relaunched in 2005. It's been an annual event ever since and she's the first ever woman to win it outright. Obviously, there's a first man home and a first woman home every year, but she was the first overall this year. And she's only going to leave and start next year. Trains six or seven times a week with Dolphin Swimming Club in Mayfield. Brilliant. 0818 96 96 96. And I think that is pretty much it. It is indeed the programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. I think your podcasts are up during the afternoon. And we shall see you tomorrow just after nine. Ready to go. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards are back. It's time to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork. Best in Cork. From best beauty salon to breakfast. Best takeaway to gym. Hairdresser to hotel. Best bar to best local tradesperson and more. See 96FM.ie now to nominate. Then stay listening. It's about damn time. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about time. Only on Cork's 96FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.